the Bitcoin network exists everywhere at the same time. And then the little guy like loses everything. Right? Like if you take away the money printer from these people, they lose like 80% of their power. So what's the point of having Bitcoin if you're not going to spend it? Consider me an article that you're about to read. I like that. Consider me an article you're about to read. You better not be talking to random aggressive women like that. <laughs> you're listening to the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. I'm Ian. That's Keon. And, and we're, we're the, the Recepies. My husband loves Bitcoin, and once a week, I let him talk my ear off about it. Yeah, I'm a real cheap date. Cheap, maybe, but it's a lot of work. I'm going to do something. May as well do it the best way possible. And Flirting with Bitcoin is audience-funded without ads or sponsors. Mm-hmm. This ain't your grandma's podcast. This is podcasting 2.0. But we can't do this for free, babe. We have Bitcoin to buy and a new mouth to feed. <laughs> See? Our son agrees with me. If and when people enjoy the show, they can support us by giving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever they're listening. They can share episodes on their social media, and of course, they can send us some money. Obviously, I prefer Bitcoin, and the best way to send us some is through our two favorite apps, Strike and Fountain. Ah, let's explain how that works at the end of the episode for anyone curious. Sure, babe. But I still like real money, and so if you want to support us... Babe, babe, Bitcoin is real money. Sure, but if you want to support us with old school money, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and subscribe. We offer monthly and yearly subscriptions that come out to less than a dollar an episode. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show to cash in on our bounty program. Make that money, honey. Y'all ready? Hey, Keon, you ready, baby? Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola, Spain. Namaskar, Nepal. Guten Tag, Germany. Hawaii, Thailand. Hola, Brazil. Good day, UK. Good day, Canada. Hola, Argentina. Buongiorno, Italy. Amusta, Philippines. Namaste, India. Bonjour, France. Hello, Indonesia. Hola, Portugal. Hello, Netherlands. Konnichiwa, Japan. Guten Poland. What's up, Bulgaria? <laughs> Hola, Mexico. Good day, Australia. Hola, Venezuela. And, and howdy, howdy to Texas. Texas. List I will, just gets longer. Well, I put everyone on the list that is 1%. Okay. I figured we should be a little more inclusive. Top 10 wasn't really switching up a lot. And the minute that we did that, Nepal jumped to number two. Yeah, it's really exciting. Namaskara. What time is it, babe? The current time is 816-656, and we are approximately 1,610 blocks since our last recording. How many blocks till the halving? 23,344. And if I gave you one U.S. dollar, how many acres could I get on Bitcoin Island? Uh, well, as you've probably noticed, the price has been on the move lately, so you can get a lot fewer acres today a.k.a. Satoshis, for a dollar. Today, it is 2,742 acres. I can almost visualize that. (laughs) It's still a lot of acreage, right? And if I wanted to buy like a dozen eggs? Um, For a dozen eggs, we're at about 3,000 Satoshis. Um, And I want to call something out that uh, Cindy called out in the comments. Uh, The website, PricedInBitcoin21.com, it's showing the prices of commodities, not necessarily the price that you would see in the store, but 
the premise is still the same, right? The price that you see in the store is a derivative of the commodity price plus a bunch of middlemen taking their cut. Mm. Um, so she had just made a comment about the eggs. So uh, 3,000 Satoshis for a dozen eggs sounds pretty cheap, right? Sounds like a dollar. Yeah. But that's how much, I guess, you know, eggs go <laughs> for commodity prices. I would hope so. I hope it, I mean, if only it was cheaper than that. All right. What about other stuff? Beef, gas, milk. Uh, yeah. So in that vein, you can get, uh, one kilogram of beef for 9,800 Satoshis. You can get a gallon of gas for 7,200 Satoshis and you can get 100 pounds of milk for 41,000 Satoshis. Um, but here's something interesting, right? So we did the Satoshi price index a couple weeks ago and then the price didn't Bitcoin21.com website went down. So I wasn't able to like get the prices on a recurring basis, but now it's back up. And the Satoshi price index is down 4.4% during this run-up, which was actually a run-up of like 20 to 30% of the Bitcoin price. So what does that mean? So the prices of the commodities aren't moving in tandem with the dollar price of Bitcoin. The, the the price of the commodities will take time to catch up to the dollar price mm-hmm. um, because you can't just click a button and buy, you know, thousands of eggs, right? Like it takes contracts and prices have to be negotiated mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But the dollar price of Bitcoin can move 20% in a week Ooh. because it's just button clicking, right? So, it can, it can go up and it can go down. It can go either direction. Yes. On the long timeline, it's only going up and to the right, though. All right. And how many days till the halving? There are 169 days until the halving. So that means if I wanted one Bitcoin by the halving, how much Bitcoin would I have to buy today? You would have to buy around 600,000 sats a day to get to one Bitcoin by the halving. And that would cost you $215 today. But if you don't want to, you know, stack every day, you could stack on a weekly basis, um, which would get you to around 4 million sats per week because there's only 24 weeks until the halving. And that would cost you about $1,500 a week. Well, today, it's probably going to cost you more next week, given the the price movement of Bitcoin. Um, And there's only five months to the halving. So if you were stacking on a monthly basis, uh, that would be 20 million sats a month which is around $7,200 a month. You're going to have to kind of already have some money to, to get in the game at this point. I mean, yes and no. Um, you know, there's a meme. You're not on Twitter, but there's a meme that says, like, sell all your chairs, right? Like, sell all the stuff you don't use. We have a lot of stuff. We being the proverbial we uh, have a lot of stuff that we don't use. And if getting one Bitcoin is your goal, uh, sell some stuff. Go through your house and find something that you haven't used in, I don't know, six months or a year. You can get 50 bucks, 100 bucks for it. 100 bucks in Bitcoin might be a thousand bucks in a couple of years versus having that thing that you just had to hold on to. Yeah. Or be like me and do it in your buy nothing group. <laughs> don't make any money off of it, but be free. I mean, you could do that also. You just won't get to one Bitcoin. Yeah. Not, it's, it's not a way to do that. No. It's, it's- <laughs> That's not a strategy. That's not a winning strategy. <laughs> so we've hit a milestone, haven't we? The pod. 
Are we uh, legit now, babe? I don't know what that means. We hit 300,000 downloads. Oh, I mean, look, I still am not 100% on these like podcast metrics, but uh, I see your finger loaded over there. Do you know what you're about to press? No, but let's find out. Oh, that was a nice one. Yeah. 300,000 downloads. I'm celebrating it, babe. Yeah. It's a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, I mean, downloads is uh, is one metric that I would say is this is even a thing because podcasting is new, but like legacy media podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, we're, we're doing value for value. So to me, I think sats per episode or sats that we bring in for the show is a much stronger uh, signal than downloads. But since that's all new, if you go on the internet and you look for like how many downloads does a successful podcast have? I mean, the numbers are all over the place, but most of them say we're doing really well. So I'm going to say we're doing really well. Yay. How are we going to celebrate? We're going to record an episode and keep putting out the stuff that the people want. Fair enough. All right. So we're crushing it. I mean, it's not, it doesn't feel like we're crushing it to me. Yeah. Um, you know, we have like our, our diehards, like we said in our last episode, that have been around since day one. Um, we see the numbers coming in from like countries that we've never been to, but mm-hmm. they're somehow finding our podcast and listening. Um, and so that's, that's really cool. Um, the thing that I think is missing and the thing that I uh, realize that we probably haven't been pushing as hard on is like the like engagement with the listeners. Um, you know, Fountain App is a great place to do that. You can leave comments on the episode. You can, you know, ask questions of me or Mondana. Like we tend to respond pretty fast. Uh, but I think that engagement part is why it feels like we're not doing great or like that's the part that's missing for me. Are you saying you're missing the fame? Not the fame. <laughs> um, the fanfare of it all. Well, like, let's put it in a different angle, Ian. right? Oh, my God. Is that Ian from the no, Flirting the Bitcoin podcast? Oh my, God, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ian, can I, can, can I take a selfie? Definitely do Oh, my God. He's so cute in person. Oh, my God. I didn't know he was so tall. Wow. I definitely don't want any of that. <laughs> um, I don't think that'll ever happen. But no. What I mean, I, it might. What am I? I'm not hating here. I just don't think that's the, that, that's, our, I don't think our listeners would do that. That's my guess. I would do that though. I'm a big fan of yours. Um, but no, like it's not the fame or anything like that. It's like, I know when we have a really good episode that like hits with a lot of people because we'll get like a lot of engagement on fountain. And so for me, when I see that, it's like, Oh, that was a really good episode. That's the like reaction that I want to every episode. Um, mainly just like discussions about stuff that we talk about because you know, like I don't get everything right. You know, like I don't get everything right. I have a strong opinion that things are going in a certain direction, but that doesn't mean that all that stuff's going to happen, especially in the way that I think it's going to happen. Now I feel like I have a pretty decent track record, but that doesn't mean that I can see the future. And so I like seeing like when people disagree or have a different view on something, right? Um, That's the part that's missing for me. That would make me feel like we're doing like amazing. I think we're doing really good, but that would make me feel like we're doing amazing. If like, if every episode started that type of like back and forth. Yeah, I I hear you there. Uh, I think I like the pace that we're going. I like the level of growth 
And I think we are learning where our strengths are and what really does make a good episode. I, I think we still haven't figured that out completely though. Cause sometimes like things really click and we're like, huh, okay. And other times we make like a ton of effort and no one seems to react to it. But you know, that's like ideating, right? That's just how it is. That's like being a creative. We're, we're creatives here. Mm-hmm. But either way, look in life, you're probably never going to get where you're trying to go, right? The goalpost is always going to move. You're going to think, okay, if I just had this, then I'll be happy. And then once you get that, you think, yeah, yeah, but if I just had this, if I just had that, right? How a lot of us are, right? In this capitalistic world, nothing is enough. We have to enjoy our milestones and our victories, as small as they may be. Oh, no, 300,000 is a very big milestone. Yeah. Like, when I was saying, like, on the internet, depending on who you, like, what, what Google search results you get, like there are some things that say like 10 downloads for an episode is successful. It is. I, I agree with that statement as well. Then there are other things that are like, if you don't do uh, 30,000 downloads in a month, like what are you doing with your life? Like those are both on the internet at the exact same time. (laughs) That's like a very big. I'm I'm like the 10 downloads an episode. You know, we're actually really lucky. Our episodes did. Speaking of. Um, I met up with uh, one of my friends who thought that the Yuppie Elite episode was me talking about him. <laughs> Pretending to be him. He thought I was <laughs> making fun of him. And let me guess, he was not happy. Uh, no, I mean, he, you know, he took it in stride, but I had to tell him, like, honestly, I wasn't picking on you until like way after the fact I thought about it. And I was like, man, I really was doing, I won't say his name, but like. I'm sure he, if he listens, he would think that it was him, but I wasn't doing him. I was doing just a general yuppie elite and kind of synthesizing all of the different things that have been said to me. Um, we had, you know, you had a party this weekend and one of your friend's husband said a bunch of yuppie elite stuff to me. Oh, tell me about it. I mean, honestly, I just kind of, it just kind of like washed over me. I know. Yeah. Right. Cause like. You're so used to it. I mean, he asked, he asked what we were doing and I was just like telling like the generic stuff. And he was like, I heard you guys had a podcast. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's about Bitcoin. And he was like, oh, and then he just said all the yuppie elite stuff that he had heard about Bitcoin, all the FUD, right? One, for example, please. Criminals use it. Ah, okay. right. It's so weird to me that people care about that. Um, I mean, that, that was like one. The other one was like, uh, you know, the one that we said on the episode, literally the stuff that we said on the episode mm-hmm. was like. Uh, I could just save my money in like a Vanguard. Literally yeah. is what he said. And I was like, yeah, you could do that. Let's just say you get 7% a year and I get 100% a year. Like, yeah, if that makes you feel safer, go ahead. You know, like, but it was funny. He literally said definitely two, but probably three things word for word. And I just kind of like laughed in his face, like not on purpose yeah. and maliciously, but just was like, yeah, I know you're going to say that. Also, when people are like, how's the pod going? They don't expect us to say, oh, it's going really well, you know? And so I'm like, I don't really want to have that conversation because then I need to explain why it is we're doing really well. And that's just a complicated explanation. It's like, then you have to explain fountain because they're not using fountain. And then you explain download amounts. And then you also, you know, all the other things that can like quantify supposed success. It then like goes over their head because nobody expects our podcast to be doing well because they don't listen to it. Well, there's like a meta point there. I think 
this weekend I was thinking about this, which is no one expects our podcast to be doing well because no one thinks that Bitcoin is necessary. People that we interact with on a daily basis live in America. Mm -hmm. They have access to banking. They don't suffer like 90% of the problems that, as, as I said, like Nepal and Thailand are in our top listener group. Mm -hmm. Like we've, we've been to Thailand. I could see why the Thai might want Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but the point is, is that like, if you don't see the problems that it solves, if you don't experience the problems that it solves, then like you can't fathom that someone would spend their time listening about that. Right. But at the same time, like, uh, the, we're so fun though. So I'm like, don't you just want to hear us talk? No, they came to our party. That was enough for them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, and probably only half of them wanted to be there. The other half were there with their significant others. Um, tell us how you really feel. Ian. A party. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's a group of women throwing a party with bringing their husbands. I know. I feel bad for husbands. They're always just lumped together. I mean, look, we're men. We can we can have conversations, you know, but at a certain point, it's like I can't talk about sports betting and I can't talk about the football game tomorrow. And like, I just can't. So I just kind of like moonwalk away when that when that <laughs> stuff comes up. I'd rather just go sit and stare at the tree. Homer Simpson moving into the bush. Exactly. Um, but I was saying that to say that in, in talking to my friend who thought the yuppie elite episode was about him, you know, he's my friend. So I'm trying to explain to him why this thing is important. You know, like, it's like, I really want you to understand why this is important because once you understand why it's important, you will be right here with me. Like I, we're friends. I know that you see the problems in the world that I see, but like you're just not consuming information that tells you that some of those problems are solvable. A lot of the information that he consumes is like, oh, this is like an intractable problem. And I'm like, no, it's actually not, right? Like if you take away the money printer from these people, they lose like 80% of their power. Mm -hmm. The other 20% is just the fact that they're technically still in power. <laughs> Right. They can use the levers of government or whatever to try to control the masses. But if you can't, you know, I was trying to explain to him, um, which it was funny, like he did not know that we've tacked on like true two trillion dollars to the deficit since the debt ceiling was resolved six months ago. Two trillion dollars in six months. I was like, dude, that's four trillion dollars a year. Not like spending deficit <laughs> and he's like well yeah oh but uh, and i'm just like what are we going to do about it you tell me the solution to that and i'll i'm willing to hear you out i think we can just assume they're going to print money forever and you need to protect yourself from that and once you accept the fact that money printing is the problem and that they won't stop then you start looking at bitcoin differently but until you accept the problem, the, the premise that the money printer is the problem and the fundamental problem, you'll always be able to say, oh, but what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? We can vote them out. We can pick different people. I'm like, no, they're all print money. Just because you're the guys that you like print money for things that you like doesn't mean that the guys you don't like don't print money. <laughs> they all print money. So your theory is after the conversation you and I had and now 
conversation with a friend in real life who is the Yuppie persona, uh, you think that the key to driving change in, in thought with the Yuppie elite is to drill down on the point that the money printers are the problem. I mean, you know, we kind of did this in the episode. We talked about it a little bit, which is you have to show them that they have a problem. Right. Part of the yuppie elite is that they don't think that they have a problem and maybe they're willing to accept that. Well, gas is a little high. Right. And I drive a car and maybe they're willing to accept that food is getting a little bit more expensive and I eat food. But like short of those two things, which ironically are like the majority of what we do is use energy. Those are both (laughs) energy. Right. Um, But short of those two things, like it's very hard to get the yuppie elite to think that they have a problem because as, as we've said, like they kind of benefit from the system. Now some benefit more than others. And I would say my friend is not like the top tier benefiter of the system, but he's got a pretty solid job Mm -hmm. and it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. And if it does go somewhere, he just would probably make a lateral move into something else. Right? Like he feels very confident in his position. So yeah, things are getting rough, but like I'll weather the storm. And I'm like, I'm not trying to weather the storm. I'm trying to sail away before the storm even gets here. Right. If you want to like hunker down and and put boards on your wall, on your windows, right. If you want to prepare for the hurricane, fine. I'm leaving. Right. Like I'm going to go where the hurricane's not. And Bitcoin is that lifeboat that will get you away from the storm if you get in soon enough. Right. But I would argue that after this having it's it's not going to hit the same for a while because there's only going to be one BlackRock ETF approval. There's only going to be one like billions of dollars of injection into Bitcoin. Right. Um, and those are going to cause the price to accelerate so fast that even if you get it four years later, you're not going to get a taste of that. I really wonder. That I, transition. I really wonder if that's how it's going to play out, babe. So based on this, I think, closeout of the Yuppie Elite persona, it's time that we pick on another one. Sure. What do you got? I'll tell you right after this. I'm going to play the other person, (laughs) the persona. And you are going to talk to me, okay? I so, so I'm the knowledgeable Bitcoiner? Yes. So we're role-playing? Yes, we're okay. role-playing. All right, I'm role-playing as a knowledgeable <laughs> Bitcoiner. Got it, got it. You're role-playing as this guy named Ian. I got um, to get all my memes out. Sell your chairs. There's no second best. Well, I don't think <laughs> that's going to be where you're going to talk to this persona about because I would like to be someone who is incredibly smart and informed about the crypto scam, not Bitcoin. <laughs> the, the crypto scam. The crypto scam. They're very passionate about it. They think cryptocurrency, altcoins, they're scams. They've seen family members and friends lose everything. Okay. And from an NFT or altcoin. Oh, they went from they went they went down the whole D- degen path. 
maybe they didn't, but they oh. see it. No, no, no. They see it for what it is. Okay. They they know people who've been affected exactly. by it and they understand how they were affected by it. And they think that, um, you know, maybe the government's not protecting people from it enough. Oh, yes. Because always people are, government protection. Mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm. people are very vulnerable um, and they continue to be vulnerable. And Bitcoin is just another scam. It's the last one standing, maybe. And how do we, you know, talk to someone who thinks that way? I feel like, okay, before we start, is this an actual person that you know? Like, am I talking to a person that I know? No. Okay. This is just a hypothetical person that we're going to. It's a person I know, but you don't know them. I don't know them, but you know this. You're not making this person. I'm picturing someone in my mind, yes. That's all I'm asking. All right. And I do not think they listen to the pod. I assume nobody that I actually know listens to the pod. People listen to some episodes. Obviously, my friend listened because yeah. I was talking <laughs> about him. But I will say this before we get started. I think he was catching up because the price of Bitcoin was moving. Yeah, I think that's what I think that so happens a lot. Yep. Here they come. Hey, guys, thanks for listening in. Um, welcome to the party. So do you want to say any goodbyes before I leave and come back as a different person? Hate to see you go. Love to watch you walk away. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sitting the whole time. All right. <clears throat> hey, so thanks for having us. This was a really great party. Yeah, thanks for coming. You know, my wife loves throwing parties, so. And I love coming to them. So you guys like seem like a really fun couple. What, what do you guys do in your free time? Uh, Free time? Uh, we have a kid. We don't we don't have much free time. We throw parties in our backyard for free time. I mean, I feel like you guys are juggling really well though. Like you gotta you gotta do something extra. I mean, yeah, you know, we do we we do have a podcast. Wait, what? You guys have a podcast? Yeah, it's a podcast. We've been doing it for about a year, year and a half now. Wait, that's so crazy. So you guys just like sit in front of mics and talk and like Yeah, that's how podcasts work. Whoa, that's so so do you guys have any listeners? Uh we have a few. Yeah. Wow. So this is like a real thing. What is your podcast about? <laughs> uh, it's about Bitcoin. Oh, that's really interesting. Like, what do you mean it's about Bitcoin? Uh, well, it started as me teaching my wife about Bitcoin. Now she knows enough where we can have like a conversation about Bitcoin or at least certain topics. So it's just me and Mandana talking about Bitcoin. So like, what does that mean? Are you guys like telling people to buy it? Um, I mean, nothing on the podcast is financial advice, so we're not telling people to buy it. What we try to do is explain the uniqueness of Bitcoin, the opportunity that is Bitcoin and encourage people to like learn more about Bitcoin because the more you learn, the more you'll probably want to buy it. Right. That kind of sounds like a pyramid scam. So you're like not telling people to buy it, but like obviously if they buy it, then you make more money off of it. I don't, I don't think you know how pyramid schemes work. Like in a pyramid scheme, I would definitely be convincing people to buy something. Well, I mean, I haven't listened to it. Maybe you are, or maybe you're just, but you asked me, me and I told you, right? I told you like, we don't, we don't tell people to buy. We might tell them what the price is. We might tell them, you know, here's some things that are happening and kind of explain to people. If you know about Bitcoin, what do you think this event will do to the price? But it's not financial advice, right? Yeah, but like ultimately Bitcoin's a scam. False. Like everything we've seen happen with NFTs. Like NFTs. NFTs aren't Bitcoin. They're like Bitcoin. No, they're not. It's internet 
stuff, internet coins, things that don't actually have any value. So pictures on the internet are the equivalent of the invention of digital scarcity. Are you comparing those two things? This is fake internet money that people are saying, oh, it has value. And people get confused and they put their life savings into it and they lose everything because someone tells them like, oh, you know, this this is the coin that you need to buy. There are people who have lost everything. Well, Investing in these altcoins and NFTs. Like, all I that think stuff it's is really, Bitcoin. I think it's really irresponsible to be encouraging like participation in something like that when it's just so volatile. Like, wasn't it really high a year ago and now it's so low? Yep. Yeah. And so like what happens when someone puts so much of their money into it and like this, it's worth nothing. And how, how many times has that happened? How many like, you know, startup altcoins, they raise all of this money it supposedly is going to make people so rich. And then like this, everything is gone. Look. And of course, the people that were in charge made so much money off of it. They get away with it. Mm-hmm. And then the little guy like loses everything. So I'm just going to assume that you don't own any Bitcoin. I don't. No. I'm going to assume that you don't own any of the things that you just mentioned. I think I know better than, t- okay. I mean, yeah, okay. like I obviously saw what all of this was. I know people who did and okay. who lost a lot. I, I understand. And I don't think anyone is like out there protecting them, which is why it's surprising to me that you would be like encouraging, you know, telling people that this might be a good option for them when we know how many people it's, it, it's you know, ruined their lives. Right. So you are critiquing a thing that you know nothing about directly. You just have anecdotal data. Would you like some new data? Maybe I can change your mind. I'm, I mean, I've read a lot of articles about this. Would you this. like some new data? Sure. Okay. Consider me an article that you're about to read. So um, if you had been buying... Pick any. I like that. Consider me an article you're about to. You better not be talking to random aggressive women like that. <laughs> I mean, whatever I got to do to take this is not down flirting off the ledge. with Bitcoin. You only flirt with your wife with, about oh, okay. Bitcoin. All okay. right. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, Mister Article. I'm about to read. <laughs> I mean, if that's how you take your information, consider me an article. I don't know what to tell you. Um. So, yeah, so look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that people didn't lose a bunch of money in all those things that you mentioned. I'm not even going to sit here and tell you that people didn't lose a bunch of money in Bitcoin. What I am going to say is that the people who lost money in Bitcoin, they were going to lose that money anywhere because they didn't actually do any research into what they were buying. They just bought a thing that they had heard about. And then when that thing didn't do what they were told it was going to do, they sold at a loss. Now, this happened to me, okay? When I first found out about Bitcoin, it was at about $8,000 a coin. And in about four months, it went from 8000 to like $20,000 a coin. And I was buying on the way up because I was like, yeah, I get it. This thing is, you know, a momentum trade or whatever because I used to be a, a day trader or a stock trader. And then it crashed from 20000 to $3,000 a coin. Now, had I sold my 3000 dollars worth of Bitcoin at that time. Yeah. I lost a bunch of money, 
But instead, what I said was, well, wait a minute. What am I missing here? Because things that crash, let's just call that, what is that, 20 to 3,000? Let's call that 80%. Things that crash 80% tend to go to zero, right? Very few things crashed 80% and then like come roaring back. That just doesn't happen. Like something traumatic has happened to that asset or that entity and it's probably not going to recover. But Bitcoin just kind of flatlined at 3K and then slowly started ticking back up. And so I didn't sell. I took that as an opportunity to learn about Bitcoin. And as I, the more I learned about Bitcoin, I realized that like, oh, all those people that sold that caused that crash didn't actually understand what they owned. Well, maybe they had to sell. They needed their money. How do you know that it's going to go back up? And how long did it take for it to go back up? Um, and why are you saying that it'll never go to zero? Like it could go to zero still. You just no, lucked out that it didn't go. It can't go to zero. Why can't it go to zero? Because that would mean that everybody is trying to sell their Bitcoin at the same time. And, and that'll just never happen. That'll never happen because there'll always be at least one buyer. Me. You're keeping the price. Oh, so you'll you'll maybe set it to $1? I'm saying if there's somebody on the planet that's trying to offload their Bitcoin and they have any amount of Bitcoin that I can afford for $1, I will gladly buy all their Bitcoin for $1. And there are literally thousands of people that think the same way as me. So as long as those people have some resources, the price can never go to zero. Well, isn't that kind of the scam aspect of it, though? You, like, need people to believe in it to, to hold up the price? Yeah, that, that's, that's literally how any asset works, though, right? And on top of that, part of what that crash showed, and we saw it in data, because one of the, the benefits of Bitcoin is that is it an open ledger, and anyone can literally read all the transactions that are going across this ledger. One I of don't the, know. What does that mean? Like, Do you know what a ledger is? Like the accounting? Yeah. I mean, you know, PayPal has a ledger. Venmo has a ledger. You had money. Now mm-hmm. you don't. You send it to your friend. They have the money. You don't. Yeah. Like keeping track of that is a ledger. But I don't get to see PayPal's books. I don't get to see all the money that PayPal's moving between people. I don't get to see all the money that Venmo's moving between people. Bitcoin, I don't get to know the people, but I do get to see all the transactions. So there are companies. There are more Isn't than- Isn't that the case with all these other altcoins like aren't you describing everything else that's already crashed am i describing i mean you're not letting me get to the point i had to explain what a ledger was to make my point fair fair okay so now that we know what a ledger is I don't get to see PayPal's ledger. I don't get to see Venmo's ledger. I don't get to see the United States government or the Federal Reserve's ledger. No one does. But I do get to see Bitcoin's ledger. And what we saw during that crash from 20 to 3 and pretty much all the crashes is that over 80% of the people who have Bitcoin don't sell. The Bitcoin does not move at all. And what that means is that 20% of people are moving the price from 20,000 to 3,000. I mean, that's, that's one way to interpret what I'm saying. Yes. But what I, what I'm actually trying to get across is that when you say that it can go to zero, I'm telling you that 80% of the people who have it right now aren't even going to sell it. 
Well, what if they lose confidence? If an 85% crash doesn't cause you to lose confidence, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, these people are holding, I'm holding, and that number of people that is holding through these crashes is only increasing. So the more people learn about Bitcoin, the more it is something that they want to acquire and the more it is something that they do not want to get rid of. So what's the point of having Bitcoin if you're not going to spend it? Why do you own stock? I I want to make my money off of it and sell it and spend my money. Okay, but when you buy stock, you need the price of stock to go up. Right. What do you do when the price goes down? I mean, it depends. I can sell or I can wait. Okay. How long do you wait? Depends. <laughs> it mean, depends on what's going on. I mean, I don't know if you're a stock trader, but, you know, Peloton just crashed like 95%. Should people hold on to Peloton stock? Well, just knowing the specifics of that situation, no, you should let it go. Like, they've, they've ridden their high. It's done. Anyone okay. who wants Peloton, got it. Unless, I don't know, they changed their business model. Who knows? You got you to gotta do your research. Right. Okay. So you're saying there's a way for it to turn around, possibly if they change their business model. You right. never say never. Okay, cool. Bitcoin's business model doesn't exist. There's no business model to turn around. There's no customers. And without a business model, without a business plan, without customers, at its peak, Bitcoin was valued at over a trillion dollars. Without a CEO, without any employees, without a marketing team, without customers, just people wanting Bitcoin instead of whatever currency they were currently holding, all the people on the planet making value judgments at the exact same time decided that Bitcoin and its 21 million coins were worth $1 trillion. What do you mean 21 million coins? So Bitcoin is an invention, right? Yes, it is an invention of a new type of money, which can then be considered a currency, but Bitcoin is an invention. It is the invention of digital scarcity. And so Bitcoin only has 21 million coins. No one can wake up tomorrow and say there's 21 million and one Bitcoin in the world. You just can't do that. It is programmed in scarcity. Who programmed it? They can't change it? No No one can change the program? Anyone can change the program, but everyone who's currently using the program would have to agree to that change. And so because it's not in anyone's interest to increase the number of Bitcoin, no one would agree to that change. But that could have been done maybe right in the beginning of Bitcoin when there weren't a lot of people who had it. Now it's too big for its britches, like it's too big to fail. It's not too big to fail. It's that... If you want to make a change that would be detrimental to everyone who currently owns Bitcoin, good luck convincing all of them to make that change. And unlike governments around the world, you can't say that for anything else. Well, like what about all these other, what about Ethereum? Scam. Yeah, Ethereum is a scam. But do you know the history of Ethereum? I don't know the specifics of it. I just know that like when it comes to cryptocurrency, it's it's Bitcoin one, Ethereum two. Sure. But, you know, I understand that you have some very strong opinions on these things, but it doesn't sound like you have enough information to really explain why you're mad or passionate about Ethereum being a scam 
or any of these things being a scam. I'm passionate about something that I have done enough research in to understand that it's not a scam. And you haven't done enough research to explain to me why any of these things are scams. You just know that they are. It just sounds, I mean, look, I don't understand how something that like is just made up. It's a digital currency. There's nothing that backs it. There's no governments aren't letting people use it. Like it's going to get stopped. And so governments can't stop it. Governments are, are blocking it. They can't stop it. I can send you as much Bitcoin as I want right now. And then I can tell any government in the world to go sit on it and rotate. And there's nothing they can do. Nothing they can do. China banned Bitcoin. Well, they didn't ban Bitcoin. They banned Bitcoin mining. Ostensibly banning Bitcoin. They didn't affect it. All well, these then, co- like, let's go into Bitcoin mining. Bitcoin mining is such a waste of energy. No, it's not. False. Can you elaborate on that? Explain to me how it is a waste of energy. All right. So we have a world where we don't have Bitcoin and then all of a sudden we have Bitcoin and there's so much increased energy usage. Define so much. Don't miners require a lot of energy to mine one Bitcoin? I'm not arguing that. I'm asking you to give me a number for the amount of energy that they use. I don't know the number. I just know that That's it's more than it existed. That's the problem. You don't know how much energy is being used, but you think it's a lot. And I'm going to tell you that it's not a lot. And then you're going to say, but that's not what I heard. And I'm going to tell you, but that's the truth. But isn't it more? It's less energy- than Christmas lights. All right. It's less than Christmas lights. It's less than washer machines. Yeah, it's less than all the other electronics that we use. I mean, washing machines serve a purpose. I would say Christmas lights do not okay. to the same level or degree as like laundry. But Okay. So you're saying the the purpose of the use of energy. Mm-hmm. It's superfluous. Okay, cool. It's it's so, extra, it's new. So hypothetically, if you're if you lived in a neighborhood where Every Saturday, someone kicked in your door and just randomly took one thing out of your house and there was nothing you could do about it. What would you do? Get a lock. Okay. So you get a lock. Mm -hmm. They come back next Saturday. They jimmy the lock. What do you do? Get a bat. You get a bat. They come back next week. Bat don't stop them. All right. I don't know. Where's this going? The point is, is that you would at some point be willing to pay up to a certain amount to stop that from happening, right? Like if I gave you a dollar amount and said, hey, for 30 bucks a month, I can stop this person from kicking in your door. Mm-hmm. Would, would you give me 30 bucks a month? Sure. Cool. If I said for 30 bucks a month worth of electricity, I can stop that person from kicking in your door. Would you consider that a good use of electricity? Well, every day, the United States government kicks in your front door and takes about $30 from you worth of inflation. $30. I mean, I do not agree with the inflation numbers that they're telling us right now, but $30 is a lot. Even if it was $1 a day, that's still $300 in a year. You do understand that inflation robs you. I do. Yes. Yes. So with Bitcoin... You can protect yourself from that inflation. 
because nobody can inflate Bitcoin. No one has control over it. No one can make more of it. If you put all of your energy that you wake up every morning, you eat breakfast, got a bunch of energy in your body, and you go do a job, whether it's physical or mental, I guess all physical labor is mental labor also, but like you go work a job, you expend all that energy, and someone gives you cash. It could be dollars, euros, yen, Jamaican Jays, Thai bot, whatever currency you happen to live in in the world. And then you go to sleep and you wake up and the government has taken a little bit of it from you before you even got to spend it. If you put your money in Bitcoin, they cannot do that to you. That to me is invaluable. So you think like, you know, I should save my money in Bitcoin, even if the price was, could like fall. I think that you should do some serious research about Bitcoin. I will spot you that everything else is a scam. We can agree on that point. We don't need to do any research on that point. All of the things that are not Bitcoin are a scam. They were created by people who had the realization that I just said, which is you cannot change Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. You want to make a change to Bitcoin that would be detrimental to everyone else? Good luck. All of those other things were created by those people. You're like all in on this Bitcoin thing. Yes. So like all your savings is in Bitcoin? Yes. Even your retirement? Yes. Wow, that's your wife's okay with that? She's going to have to be. Wow. I mean, like, I don't know. I guess like this was, it's stuff to think about. It is, but you know. Could you envision a world perhaps where the people that are robbing you on a daily basis don't want you to think about it? Like, so this is the conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. If I, if I could rob you every day and you couldn't stop me, wouldn't it be in my best interest to make sure that you had no idea how to stop me? I mean, do you think that inflation is robbery? It's like intentional. Yes. yes. They're, they're, purposefully devaluing money well, at a rapid, I mean, who, who so does that benefit? Here's the deal. As with a lot of things, it basically boils down to only one of two options. Either A, the people that are in charge of quote unquote managing the economy, which they would have you believe that they don't, but at the same time, they believe that if they pull certain levers, they can affect the economy. It's already a contradiction off the bat. But let's just say for the sake of argument that they're not controlling the economy. They're just helping it stay healthy. Either they are really bad at their job and inflation is running rampant. Or they're really good at their job and inflation is still running rampant. Either way. I just want the inflation to end. I don't care if they're good at their job or, or bad at their job because the inflation is the problem. And I think that while it may not be like a direct conspiracy that they're sitting there being like, we're going to make people poor. I do think that they're sitting there making decisions that say, my friend won't be poor. My banker friend won't be poor if I do this. If I protect this company, my friend's business won't go bankrupt. And when you make those types of decisions, you cause inflation. <laughs> so like, yeah, they, 
They I may guess, not be directly. We, I mean, we've had inflation every year. I'm not saying that inflation isn't a major issue and it's completely holding us all back, but it seems like everyone's always dealt with it. And, and people have been able to thrive still under inflation. Have they? Somehow people are making it through, right? The past 10, 20, 30 years. I will say like the past few years have been an accelerated experience. I mean, the past few years have been what's been happening to everyone else in the world. Mm. So the United States, when it creates this inflation, when it, when it creates new money to cover the deficit of the budget, when it creates new money to bail out banks, when it creates new money to bail out whoever the heck is getting bailed out this time around, that money doesn't just immediately go into the economy of the United States. Most of the time, we'll just take 2008, right? They bailed out the banks. The banks didn't turn around and spend the money. They held on to it. Mm-hmm. So all that newly created money didn't actually end up in the economy right away. So people didn't see the inflation, but, but it happened. Fast forward to 2020, the United States government created 40% of all the dollars that have ever existed were created during COVID. Wow, 40%, really? 40% of all the dollars since the founding of this country, since G-Dub and his boys kicked George out, allegedly, they printed 40% of the money in two and a half years. Why do you say allegedly? What do you mean? That kicked him out allegedly. Oh, I mean, like. When we defeated the Brits, they didn't. Everyone that was here that was like on the side of the Brits, they didn't leave. Mm. They just were like, all right, I guess we're we're going to live amongst the winners. But Mm -hmm. we kind of rooted for the king. Right. Mm -hmm. But those people are still here. Yeah. They rooted for the king. The king lost. We didn't confiscate their stuff. We didn't necessarily punish them except for a couple of them, like Benedict Arnold, the most famous. But, like, we let the people who were supporters of the crown stay in this country. Just like during the Civil War, we let the people who lost the Civil War stay in the country, right? Like, so when I say allegedly, it's like, yeah, King George no longer was in charge, but he had a lot of people that were on his side still in the colonies. So, yeah, bring it back to inflation. Cool. So with inflation, the the printing 40% of all of the money, it has to go somewhere. And the problem is that this time it came back into the economy almost immediately because they gave the money directly to the people as stimulus checks. Mm -hmm. Now it wasn't a lot of money compared to the companies that were bailed out Mm -hmm. as usual, but the companies were using that money to pay employees. So like all of the money that was created went into the economy the fastest that it's ever done that. That's why we saw inflation do what it did. And that's why there's like a trend now on social media, pick whichever platform you prefer where people are literally like going over their monthly bills and showing how certain things have like doubled in a year, right? Like I used to have an auto buy on Amazon that was $500 and now it's a thousand dollars. What changed? Nothing. 
Why is it twice as much? That's inflation. Yeah. And then you turn on the TV or the news and they're telling you that inflation's just down below 4%. And you're like, that can't even be possible. Yeah. But these are the people that are supposed to be like good at their jobs. Look, I'm with you. Things are crazy. Everything is so expensive. I, it's a little nuts. I mean, look, it's, it sounds like you're really into this Bitcoin thing. Um, I do think that I could, you know, look into it a little bit more, but that's, you know, it's really cool that you guys have that podcast. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll try to give it a listen. Yeah. I mean, you know, start from the beginning. If you, if you, if you're genuinely interested, I would say start from the beginning because it's me teaching Mondana some of the basic things about Bitcoin. And so sounds like you need some of the basic info for you to like build up your knowledge base so that some of the things that you just said or are repeating is my guess. Um, you would know that like you're repeating something that's just not true, right? Like the energy usage thing, like there's been a series of articles debunking the fact that Bitcoin uses all of this energy, but people keep saying it like it's true. And I just have no time for that now. Like if anyone, I'm just, I'm just going to say, thank you for giving me your time. (laughs) I'm just going to say false. Like that's just not true. Like you're repeating a lie. And as a Bitcoiner, it's important for us to know those types of facts because without them, yeah, I can't argue with you about the energy usage because it it is a new thing that doesn't, didn't exist and now uses a lot of energy. But like, you know, I don't see anyone banning Xboxes. I guess we also use a lot of energy, like moving money around already. Well, I mean, that's the irony of it all is that it costs no energy. It costs nothing to move the money around that we currently have. It costs a lot of energy to enforce the rules of that money. Yeah, like you have a bank that operates, for example. No, you have an army that enforces the rules. Oh. Right? So just to give you a little example here. They accused us, they accused Saddam Hussein of doing a lot of things. And I'm sure he did most of them. Um, but the thing that got him killed was trying to sell his oil in something other than dollars. Yeah. That was when Saddam Hussein fell. It took a military to enforce that rule. You do not sell your oil for anything other than dollars. And that expenditure of people's lives, military equipment, and wrecking a country, that cost a lot. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the dollar. The dollar is never going to concede to another currency. Well, I mean, so the dollar itself doesn't have to concede uh, anything, right? Like, if, if the dollar was to concede, the United States government would default on its debt. The United States government wake wake up one day and say, this 30, what are we at, 4 or $5 trillion that we owe to somebody. We're not paying anybody back. If we did that, yeah, we'd concede. The dollar would concede. We'd have to come up with something new. And, you know, uh, all the assets that were priced in dollars would get totally thrown out of whack. And, the, and thus, the entire world economy would get thrown out of whack. That doesn't mean that something else better can't just replace it or something else better can't exist and slowly grow up alongside of it. And just let people figure out that it's better. Like what the euro used to be. The euro was never better than the dollar. Ever. It was just a pretend currency that the banking cartel wanted to exist so that they could control Europe. 
Europe didn't need the euro. And it seems like the eurozone might be breaking up uh, and going back to country specific currencies. Now that's going to be interesting and they'll probably do it with something digital, mm. right? They won't go back to paper and coins. They'll go to some form of digital currency, right? Um, but the reason is simple is that while it seems very similar to the United States, the Eurozone is actually a bunch of different countries, not a bunch of different states, a bunch of different countries, a bunch of different cultures, a bunch of different everything. And unfortunately, when you try to give them all the same currency, it doesn't actually work. But isn't that what Bitcoin's trying to do? No. Bitcoin is not trying to replace anybody's currency. Bitcoin is presenting itself as an option that says, if you don't want to have dollars or euro or yen or any of these currencies that can be inflated by the governments that control them, up until January 3rd, 2009, you did not have an option. I mean, technically you had gold. But if you do enough research into gold, you understand that gold's been captured for a while. Um, and it's not the, the mark, the price on the market does not reflect the price that gold should be. Uh, with Bitcoin, we have an option. We can all decide that I would much rather hold my money in something that is controlled by none of them. Now, yes, they may all decide that you cannot convert Bitcoin back into the dollar or the euro or the yen. Yes, they can kind of control it. They, they could decide that, but they can't control the fact that I already have Bitcoin and I already know people that accept Bitcoin for goods and services. And I can live my life perfectly fine without them allowing me to convert it back into dollars to get some stuff in their economy. The Bitcoin network exists everywhere at the same time. So you can live off of Bitcoin? Yes. Today, you can you can go and buy your groceries with Bitcoin. Yes. You actually, groceries at certain places are cheaper if you pay in Bitcoin. <sighs> Look, um, you were an article I enjoyed reading. No, I'm just... <laughs> there you go. There if you this go. chick said that to you... Make sure you uh, put your email in at the bottom. <laughs> join the newsletter. Um, yeah, you've given me a lot to think about, and uh, this was cool. Thanks for thanks for talking to me about Bitcoin. You're you're really smart. Um, maybe I just I just read all the books. You could be this smart too, if you want to be. I'd rather just read articles like you. All right, don't tell my wife. How'd you think I did? I mean, you're. You're good? Like, I don't know, like... So have you ever had a conversation like that? I mean, my Bitcoin conversations have become more belligerent um, <laughs> over over the, the past year and a half. Um, belligerent? Yeah, even with my buddy from the other night. Like, you know... I want people to understand what it is. But then there's like a switch in the back of my head where I'm just like, you know what? I don't care if you don't understand. Like, I really don't. Because at a certain point in your life, it doesn't matter. At a certain point in your life, you're going to remember this conversation. Mm. You're going to. You're going to have to. And it's going to be, it's going to be like 10 times worse than anybody who was like, oh, I could have bought Microsoft at this price. Or I could have bought Google at this. Like, 
I could have got in on a Tesla. Like, yeah, we all kind of assume those things were going to be good. But like this thing, Bitcoin, you're going to have no choice but to get it. It's very similar to the Internet. And there were people that tried to explain the Internet to all those talking heads. They all were like, the Internet, that just sounds weird. Email is crazy. I like writing a letter. WWW colon slash. It's like. You've got mail. And now they all use iPhones and they all know how to go to Internet websites. And we don't have to explain the Internet to them anymore. The only difference is that those people who didn't understand didn't invest in the companies that made the Internet the Internet. This is just that. But not investing in the money of the future. You're going to use the money of the future one way or another. And I'll just be right at some point in the future. And, and we can all laugh about this conversation. You know, money of the future is not a phrase that you use often. I like it though. I mean, it's not even money of the future. It's money of the now. I know, but I like money of the future. And I think phrasing it that way is exciting. Well, I mean, you know, for example, for example, like a little bit of history. To go forward, we got to go back first. You got to. You got to know the history of, of at least money in North America since the Europeans got here. Before the Europeans, we don't really know what the money situation was, but we do know the Europeans brought their money system. And so when the United States first started, the United States didn't even use like their money. They didn't create their own money. They used the Spanish's money. Because at the time, the Spanish was the dominant empire in the world. And they owned like half of North America also to prove that they were like dominant. So like in the beginning, it was the, uh, the Spanish dollar. And it was just a certain amount of silver, right? Now, allegedly, the Spanish were like taking it from the, the, the natives. You know, they were robbing the Aztecs and the Mayans and whatever. Um, maybe not the Mayans, but definitely the Aztecs. Um, allegedly they were getting all this silver from these natives in North America. Um, but the United States didn't just sit down and make their own currency on day one. They said only gold and silver are money. They didn't say the United States dollar is money. They didn't say a federal reserve note is money. They said these two metals, no matter what quantity you want to put them in, but these two things are money. Um, Bitcoin is very similar to that in that. If you were writing the Constitution today with a bunch of Bitcoiners sitting around with their, you know, wigs on and all of the trappings of the 1700s, the only addition they would probably make is gold, silver, and Bitcoin. It's the same thing. It's not controlled by anyone. They didn't pick something that was controlled by the Spanish or the, the British or anything like that. They just said, this is a thing that we all have access to, and this is money. It was over time that we live in the world that we live in today. It's so overcomplicated. I agree with you. And I think that's the way that you can mentally regroup and think, oh yeah, that's, that's how money should work. It is. And, you know, people have been living in this world and this is, this is the biggest thing that I've learned since getting into Bitcoin. The biggest I mean, it just keeps getting reinforced no matter what new thing I learn. I can't wait to hear it. Because of Bitcoin. Well, it, you, you've heard me say it a, a bunch, and I literally just said it a second ago, which you is like... repeating yourself? None of, this, none of this is normal. <laughs> like, the world that we live in mm -hmm. is not normal. This is very new, not to, like, uh, uh, you know, people after World War II 
or this isn't new, like, oh, America is new on the world stage. No, like the world we live in is new for humanity, as far as we know. Now, there might be some humanity before that we just don't have any records of at the moment, but as far as we know, the world we live in right now is very new, and specifically when it comes to information uh, dissemination. And this is the thing that I think your, your like persona here, if I was going to like critique you, is that the persona knows about a lot of things bad that happen, but has no facts. They just know that bad stuff happened. Like if you're going to tell me something is bad, you better have more facts than me when I say it's good. That's well, the way look, I, I agree with you. That's the way I look at it. And so like, that's why I say that my conversations become more belligerent because the minute that someone tells me like this one factoid that they've heard, I'm just like, but I have like 40. Yeah. And you're not going to let my 40 outweigh your one. Like we can't have, it's not a fair conversation. And you know, I think that's where it's like this strange situation where we're podcasters. This is what our podcast is about, but then it's hard to convey the success of our podcast especially when you look at us and you're, you might even be in our home and it's like, you don't look like podcasters. Uh huh. I don't understand. And so I think it's, it's, I don't know, maybe with more success that comes and somehow we can visualize that to people that we interact with that might give more credibility. I don't know. We'll see what happens or, or it's all based in the price of Bitcoin. And if the price of Bitcoin really pops and, People know that we've been in it for a couple of years and trying to talk to people about it. That'll give us the credibility. Like, I, I don't know how else it'll happen. Credibility is unfortunately like not given. It is earned. Right. And so I don't think that our podcast success is going to have any bearing on people's opinions of Bitcoin. It will be the price of Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I was talking to your sister not even three weeks ago. Not even three weeks ago. I was giving Keon a bath and she was like standing there watching. And I was trying to talk to her about Bitcoin. And I was like, look, it's about to move. And once Bitcoin starts moving, it moves fast. So if you're not set up to buy it, it's not like you just wake up one morning and I mean, like it is, but if you want to buy a large quantity, you gotta, you gotta be like in certain apps and be verified and all this fun stuff. If you wanted to buy a large amount, I mean, you could buy a large amount for me and then I can go buy it. But like, technically you cannot just wake up tomorrow and buy $20,000 worth of Bitcoin in a way that you would feel comfortable with. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, and here we are. I mean, when I when I said that to her, Bitcoin was at twenty seven. It's I at thirty seven now. I it's know. up like almost thirty percent, right? Yeah. But like, and knowing her, she's avoiding the whole issue because she knows. But this is my point, and that's <laughs> she what knows I, she missed out. But she didn't miss out, and this is what I said to her. I was like, it doesn't matter if you buy right now or not. I think you should buy some right now, but it doesn't matter. We'll be having this conversation in four years when it's at t- two two hundred and seventy thousand. And I'm like, it's going to go up. And then two weeks later, it's at 370,000, right? Like, it's going to be the same thing. Just tag a zero onto all the numbers we just said. 
And that's what's going to happen in four years at the bare minimum. Um, but I can say that with some level of confidence because I understand Bitcoin enough to say, well, I may not know the exact prices. I do know some fundamentals that are happening and happen. And it doesn't matter. Those fundamentals are going to make me right over time. And so I don't have to argue with you. I don't have to like try to convince you. I don't have to like give you all 40 factoids. It's like if you want to walk away with your one factoid saying like, yeah, I showed them, please, by all means, go ahead. Because that one factoid that you feel like you disproved this thing is not going to affect the fact that like no one's kicking in my door every Saturday night and taking something out of my house. Like I have protected myself from inflation. And that's actually the one thing that I said to my friend that I really, I feel like caught his attention the most is I was like, dude, can we agree that inflation is a problem? He was like, yeah. I was like, all right. So I have enough Bitcoin where we've escaped inflation. And he kind of was like, what? I was like, yeah, like I have enough Bitcoin where it's actually doing what it is supposed to do for me. And it'll, you know, like it'll take you a little bit longer to get there. But like we have enough Bitcoin where I don't know the numbers, but I do know that the gains in our Bitcoin have outpaced the inflation of all the things that we buy. Like that's for sure. Yeah, you've been saying that a lot. So like we have enough Bitcoin where we've at least escaped inflation. And I said it to him straight faced. I was like, I'm at the point now where I'm like, you know what? Print as much money as you want. I know it's only going to help us. It's not that it's going to help me per se. Like that's, that's like secondary print as much money as you want. Drive inflation to 20% so that the yuppie elite feel the pain and they start looking for the lifeboat as well. Because when it's sub 10, and this is what I'm saying, when I'm like, they're either good at their job or bad at their job, I think they're really good at their job. And I think their job is to make the yuppie elite feel safe so that they don't look for another option. They're not trying to solve inflation. They're just trying to make sure the yuppie elite don't revolt. Yeah, the middle class. And as long as the yuppie elite don't revolt, you can kind of keep robbing the lower classes Mm -hmm. and benefiting the upper classes. And everyone's like, oh, what's the problem? Why are you looking for something better than the dollar? Nothing is better than the dollar. Print all the money you want. Print another 40%. I don't care. Because that's the only thing. It will affect the price of Bitcoin, which will get their attention. But that's the only thing that's going to actually solve this. thing. And the irony is that we're pretty much in it. We're like, I don't want to say like, you know, doom and gloom over here. But we're, we're in the... We're in the part of the game of Monopoly where like everyone knows who's going to win at Monopoly and we're all just rolling the dice to wait until we all land on boardwalk and can't afford to pay. Mm-hmm. Like that's the part of the game that we're in right now. Everyone knows that the United States government has to keep printing money into infinity to keep this. If you want to call anything a Ponzi scheme, the United States dollar to keep that Ponzi scheme going. They printed, they created or deficit spending, $2 trillion in six months. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and I that's where my brain goes. I'm like, this is not going to last forever, but then I see the United States almost coasting. I don't 
we'll see what happens. I not coasting. This is it's not, not coasting. coasting. It's pretending it is. It's gaslighting I mean, everyone. I mean, like it's yeah. coasting in the sense that like gravity is gonna pull it to the ground. Yeah. Those gliders don't glide forever. So, babe, you've been saying a lot of things, a lot of sayings. What? Those gliders won't glide forever. Those boards I'm, don't work on water. I'm an article you're about to read. Yeah, you like that one. I really liked it. I did not like that you'd said it to someone else. I mean, I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking directly at you, so I don't know. All right, you're right. I'm just a little possessive, okay? Mm. Mm. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Um, but yeah, print as much as you want, guys. Don't care anymore. Thanks for listening to the show. Now let's get you set up on Fountain so you can start earning money simply by listening to podcasts. It's time to join the Fountainhead Nation. Go to fountain.fm to download the app onto your phone. Once you've installed the app and have set up your account, search for Flirting with Bitcoin and follow us. You should also be able to find and follow every other podcast you listen to as well. Listen to our show and episodes from your other favorite podcasts to earn your first stats, which are fractions of the Bitcoin. And keep an eye out for our promoted episodes on Fountain's homepage. We promote every episode so you can earn up to 100 sats just for listening. Yeah, that's right. Your attention's valuable to us. You're not just a set of earballs we've collected for advertisers. You can use the sats you've earned to send us a boost, which is like a little payment with a message. We are very active and respond to almost all the boosts we get. Every episode, we also give a shout out to the top boosters from the previous episode. And if you want to support us or other podcasters with more sats than you earn, you can top up your fountain wallet with a bank card or a lightning transfer from apps like Strike or Cash App. The easiest way to learn is to just get started. If you have any trouble, it's about to move. And once Bitcoin starts moving, it moves fast. For podcasting 2.0.